Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 102. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So our house is like the village of the damned at the minute. We've got spluttering, illness, and all sorts. So we've marked the door with a red X. Um, I've shut my door just to try and abate the germs. But we have got a fantastic guest on the show today. We have got Tevis Trower. So Tevis is the founder and CEO of Balance Integration, and she knows that working well and living well are symbiotic. Tevis is a pioneer in optimizing corporate cultures and has been heralded as corporate mindfulness guru for the new millennium. Tevis has coached powerful organizations ranging from Disney to Morgan Stanley in optimizing their most precious assets, human beings. Tevis has headlined executive events with Harvard Business Review, Bloomberg, LP and Google and has been featured in media outlets like Forbes, Business Week, New York Post, Yoga Journal and more. And she's here to share her insights and expertise to help you integrate the right balance and live your best life. Welcome to the show, Tevis. Hi, Jeff. I am so excited to be here with you. That is brilliant. So am I. So I'm really looking forward to some in-depth conversation. But before we start, could you give us some a backstory on what's brought you to this point today? Oh, God. Um, ooh, you go right into the easy stuff, right? <laughs> so. Um, so I grew up um, the first person in my family to ever even be remotely interested in corporations and leadership, et cetera. But what I did have is a Montessori teaching father and a pretty curious um, mom who would always bring new kind of uh, philosophies and stuff. And I was a child of the late 60s, early 70s. So that's when I got exposed to a lot of... Um, at the time, kind of uh, paradigm shifting ideas around how do we manage ourselves, right? How do we um, go through life? How do we take responsibility for our choices in life? And that conversation was always a big part in my home growing up. And so lo and behold, one day um, I'm, uh, I'm majoring in history in uh, college and just loving all the different ways that you can get insights into how cultures have evolved, how people have evolved, how power works, how the economy works, all the infrastructures and the verticals that really define our worlds, loved it. And one day I um, was on a service project in Nicaragua and I was talking to the families that we were working there um, to build a healthcare center for, and they said, this is really cute that you came, but next time stay home and send some money because we want jobs. And I thought, damn, I just got it handed to me straight up, right? People want to work. They want to participate in their own flourishing. They don't want handouts, right? And um, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. So I get home from, um, the service project and I decided 
instead of getting a PhD in something and waxing poetic in some ivory tower somewhere, I was going to get an MBA. <laughs> Surprise no one more than me, but, but that's exactly what I did. Now, bringing that awareness into corporate America, I did the corporate um, uh, merry-go-round of a lot of the names everyone knows and trusts. I started um, at Coca-Cola went to UPS, went to IBM, went to Corn Ferry, then went to a dot-com, then went to AOL Time Warner, and then I jumped and I started a company. And um, when people ask me, how did you become a corporate culture consultant? How did you become a resiliency coach? How did you become an expert on creativity in the workplace? When people ask me that, I think that it's... Um, that, that for all of us, it's hard to really trace back to the beginning of the thread, right? But we can see in our own weaving, right, our own tapestry, all the different threads that kind of lead us to the point that we're in. And um, I'm a beauty school dropout. I've been working since I was 14, and I was in the U.S. Army. So you add that into corporate America, and you add in all those kind of more personal empowerment movement of the 1970s and the mystical traditions my mom exposed me to. Um, and you kind of see how all the, the, the various threads have, um, have led me to start the company I started. Wow. Wow. Okay. So the, and that, and that's the lovely thing, isn't it? You can go through these, the, it, each, that's what makes each of us unique is those personal life experiences that allows us to bring those, you know, we were talking about this just before that we hit, we hit the record button. It's the, it's that thing that brings us, makes us unique and brings our natural skills and talents to the forebear. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of, so one of the things we were talking about before, um, we hit the record was this conversation about imposter syndrome and and this was something that it you know it keeps coming up with um people i speak to uh, whether it's cl coaching clients or whether it's um people i meet at speaking events or whatever um and you know i'm where do you you know why do you think that people are unable to to be themselves or fully connect and and contribute in work because of this thing that keeps popping up? Such a huge question. And um, I think it's fundamental to the wiring of our nervous system, the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. I think that, um, that, that fundamentally, if you boil it down into really, really simple terms of survive or kill or be killed, right? Eat or be eaten. Um, and how how that really drives so much it, it it is the filter through which we process everything including love relationships work relationships um walking down the street which way do i go do i cross the street right um negotiating a contract like that that primordial fear of uh, of how even the smallest choice is going to impact our ability to sustain over time um, is really hardwired inside of us. And so um, the thing I think is so beautiful, right? We think that self-help is a recent thing, but really it's what Christ was doing. It was the Tao Te Ching, it's the Yoga Sutra. Like this is 
timeless, timeless um, uh, kind of wrestling to, to help us wake up from the shackles of our nervous system. And um, what I think is really fascinating about what I'm watching in corporate America now, because we work with KKR, we've worked with Soros, Bloomberg, uh, Google, AOL, Disney, all across the board. And a lot of my work is specifically with high performers and people, if they're not already in the C-suite, they're headed there eminently. And um, one thing I'm watching and I'm keenly aware of is um, that when we say imposter syndrome, a lot of times we're thinking of less enfranchised people, right? We're thinking of women, we're thinking of people of color, we're thinking of people who have a different background, a different education, speak a different language, right? We're thinking of people who, who, who are not, not the patriarchy, right? And, um, what that does, oddly, is it negates the reality that these, these fears of acceptance and safety are actually ubiquitous. There's no one here. In the words of Jim Morrison, no one here gets out alive, right? Like, like this is just part of the human conundrum. And the ways that you can look at that um, is it is so multifold because in your coaching work, I'm sure, and in my coaching work, the one thing that stands in our in our clients' way is their fear of failure, right? Their fear of ostracism, their fear of not having status, their fear of not being validated, their fear of losing out on money or love. And it really all boils down to love, actually. Um, and so... So the reason I'm so fascinated about this is as the conversation around diversity and inclusion has really started to evolve and people are really acknowledging that, hey, um, if you want to change the conversation or change the level of insight and creativity going into a strategy, a conversation, a consideration, a problem solving, then you really need at least three people around the table who aren't part of the patriarchy, who aren't part of the norm, right? Because what, what studies have shown is that when you have one, that person is an outlier and chances are they're gonna conform, right? If you have two, then, then it's kind of a toss up. But if you have three, not only are they likely to speak from their truth, more, more likely, um, but their ability to do that is actually going to give permission to people within the dominant class, within the patriarchy, or whatever the dominant class is, is going to give them permission to deviate. It's going to give them permission to express a different set of values, a different set of perspectives that maybe they've had all along, but they were afraid to give voice to. Right. Right. Okay. And for so for those, so let's say, for example, because, uh, you know, we can, it doesn't matter whether you're talking corporate or whether you're talking micro business, that 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 feeling of the imposter syndrome is there in some way, shape or form. And you you talk when you talk about that, what do you think, apart from sort of getting in those groups and having those three different people or the oh, three yeah. the thing? What for you do you feel are the ways to start um, challenging 
that imposter syndrome and coming and trying to help themselves come out that other side? Yeah, it's it's such a genius question because um, there there are multiple tools, right? There's, there's the cognitive tool of self inquiry and self awareness, which which hopefully most leaders are practicing, but but not specifically with a lens towards this, right? So there's that kind of the cognitive approach. There's a felt sense, right, of learning to watch for the signals that we experience physically that, that I am moving into fear mode. What happens when that adrenaline is kicking in and it's hitting the hippocampus and like, how do I personally manifest that? Is it, do I stutter? Do I sweat? Do, um, do I start to breathe quickly? Like, and really becoming intimately aware of how your physical being can give you kind of a lifeline by saying, hey, hey, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And once you know that you're there, it's like the old thing from, um, gosh, I heard this years ago in my 20s. It was always so helpful. Halt, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Anytime you're feeling those things, you should slow down. Well, I want to add to that right? That, that, that when we are in flow and we are connected, our body is at ease and we may have adrenaline, but it's not a discomfort, right? And beginning to understand when our body is using unease to say to us, you need to listen because you're really afraid right now and you need to pay attention and ask yourself why. So, so using the body's signs as a trigger to do the self-inquiry in the moment, right? The more that we do it as a practice is great, but when we do it in the moment, um, it can really help us be more skillful when it counts. So I think it's kind of a combination of those things. And I think truly, I think the third thing is, um, is the practice of personal growth, which I know you're a huge proponent of, um, the practice of personal growth, because it is a practice, and having that not just be reading books, right? Having that not just be talking to people who agree with us, right? Um, having that not just be going to the yoga class or whatever the class is, right? But, but having, having our commitment to growth be something that, that, that requires a little bit of sacrifice for us, uh, sacrifice of time or sacrifice of money, sacrifice of comfort zone, and has us really moving into things where we can watch ourselves in process, right? I can watch myself not be the expert in the room, right? I can watch myself be socially uncomfortable and not drown it with alcohol, right? I can so so putting ourselves actively into situations where we can relatively objectively start to observe how do I do with it? Because the fodder for insight there is infinite. Yeah, and yeah, and I mean, I can I can relate that to a couple of times um, in my life where having to have that conversation so the worst one i have ever felt was the imposture of actually being a human being yes. um, and that was when i was ill to the point where i was too fearful to leave the house and i ended up being homebound for four years um, um the other one was when i first started 
And even though I'd had this skill set and this experience that made me unique to everyone else, I still didn't think I knew enough. And that imposter part came from I was dyslexic or struggling, so therefore I lacked my own intelligence. Yep. And and you are so right. It's having it's it's having the courage to step up and go, I'm gonna confront this and and deal with it, and not letting fear take over run and turning you around so you can run the other way, because you will never develop and never grow as a human being and step out of that imposter field until you have challenged that. Well, you can't outrun it is no. the funny thing, right? We think yeah, yeah. that we can run away, but we're taking it with us yeah. everywhere we run to. Um, yeah. My blessing, so yours was the illness, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, my blessing was I grew up with a speech impediment. And okay. so, so as I grew up, I learned how to cope by avoiding certain words, yep. um, by just not talking, right? You can tell I talk a lot now. <laughs> 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 well, like, lo and behold, I'm going to business school and you have to present. And um, I knew that I was going to have to do something about it. And so I did self-hypnosis. I did hypnosis with at the health center. I did breathing exercises. I finally went to the doctor and they gave me, I think they're called uh, beta blockers, right? And um, I, I took them once and I felt... I, you still experience adrenaline, it just doesn't land. And that was so instructive. Like, how do I ride this wave of energy? It's literally energy, right? That, that, that my brain is pumping into my body. And that was a game changer for me. I never took the pills again. I took them once. And it really changed. Now, here's where it's become my protector, though. Anytime I don't feel safe around someone, all kind of choke up, right? And it's become part of this like scanning to see and then to stop and ask myself, why do I not feel safe, right? And what am I not expressing because I don't feel safe, right? And how do I overcome that? How much of that is in my head? How much of it is whatever, right? So, so I see these things as blessings. I mean, they are what move us forward and make us strong. Yes, it's having it's having the. I think for for a lot of people, um, the way I look at it is, it's for those who don't settle for mediocrity, and for those who want to take things to the next step, or for yeah. those that are just willing to settle. Yeah. And for those who are just willing to settle, nothing is going to change because there's no challenge. But for those who are wanting to 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 step out of that comfort zone and grow they they are they have to be willing to do the work as you said either financial or time and and you know and and development energy or whatever it's going to be they have to take that time to in order to grow and change something has to shift or there's that great saying if you keep on doing what you've always done you'll keep on getting the same results so yeah <laughs> and yeah, and and you know, I often describe. I remember describing it to my kids. It's like that bee that's trying to get through the window, and it's just constantly trying to bang. And it's not going to change anything until it learns to change direction. And either that, it's going to give itself a serious headache. But it's all about doing that change, and it's that willingness, that tenacity, and that determination to go. Okay, I'm going to do something different, and it starts today. 
yeah. let's get started. And I think that's the key thing, isn't it? The, the, um, the flip side of that, though, too, I think is not just the tenacity, but the permission giving that we have to give ourselves, especially because we're in the self-optimization world, right? The permission we have to give ourselves to be soft and vulnerable and frail and flawed, and to have that still be part of our amazingness, a part of our picture, and not something we're trying to undo, right, or hide, right? But I think that's specifically, to get back to the question about in corporate America, I think that what what's happening is that because high performers groom themselves to win, right, across any scoreboard, they're going to figure out what do I have to do to win, and where can I win, and where should I kind of hedge because I know I'm not that good or whatever, right? Um, the whole, the Gallup thing. Now, find your strengths, right, et cetera. But, but I think that when, when the archetype of who we reward in corporate America are people who, who have, ha have really crafted themselves, self-invented around how do I win according to what is extrinsically valued, Right, that's when we end up with um, an identity bankruptcy, an emotional, a, a, a spiritual too, a bankruptcy that that our sense of self and our identity is so fragile, right? That the notion of self-expressing in a meeting or contesting a decision, etc., or feeling like we're worthy of the job or worthy of the contract or worthy of it, it um, becomes really fraught because those are the influencers too so that's who everyone else is watching which is why i love to talk about the dark side of engagement right we really have to be careful um how we frame engagement and we have to be careful who we shine the light on right we want to make sure that 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 we're helping people be more whole right that they can perform long term and imposter syndrome really gets in the way of that yeah no that's brilliant so just before we jump over to the second part of the show i wanted to tell you about this fantastic workshop that uh, someone who you might have already heard on the podcast in fact he's the only guy that's been on the show twice and interviewed it is the presentation genius himself Dr. Simon Raybould. Now, Simon is running, and he only does this once a year, he is running a live training course in Newcastle-Pontine in March 2019. And you use the discount code GeniusIQ, then you will get £50 off the ticket price. All you need to do is go to presentationgenius.eventbrite.co.uk and, you know, take action. Now, I have done Simon's training he is my go-to guy for any presentation training, any skills that I need to develop in how to do that. And if you are looking to be able to make awesome presentations, pitches, or a report, addresses to the board, or just hit that job interview out the park, I'd highly recommend this workshop. Remember, Genius IQ at presentationgenius.eventbrite.co.uk and get £50 off. So act now. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into the second part of the show where you are going to be put on the hot seat. So are you ready? 
Oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so question number one is, on average, how much time a week do you dedicate to self-development? Oh my God, um, so I've had to learn to time block. <laughs> Right, straight up and simple, specifically because of the work I do and the work that you do. Um, so much of what we do to serve in the world and to participate with our clients, etc., could you could kind of rationalize, oh, well, that's personal development, and I just read that book. And while there is an overlap because none of us are compartmentalized, um, I've had to learn to time block for this is time that I am just going to feed my heart, or this is time that I am just going to exercise. This is time that I am going to pray. This is time I'm going to meditate. This is time I'm going to play my guitar. Right. And, um, so, so when I look at those blocks, I would say, I would say well over because I work out five times a week. And then you add in playing guitar, exercise, reading for personal growth. I mean, there's there's a lot in there. You actually work. Right? <laughs> yeah, yes, it's a lot. And you'd think I'd be better at guitar by now with all that damn practice. <laughs> so, so there's a large proportion of time that goes towards that caring and self-development side. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, number two, what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? Um, I'm going to say two. One is the Yoga Sutras, because in my mind, it is um, the first true self-help book. I, it covers everything. It covers why you don't harbor negative thoughts. It covers why you need to manage where you put your mind. It covers what kind of breath is going to help you have the state of nervous system that you need. It covers what kind of food should you eat. It covers ethics. And it's not a religious text. It is an agnostic text, right? So love that. The other one is a little known book called Creativity and Business by Michael Ray. And he was the marketing chair professor at Stanford in the graduate school of business and, and, is still alive. He was my mentor for a long time in teaching. Um, how do you encourage authentic expression across the broad spectrum of corporate professionals? And so he mentored me on how to do that. And if you want to tease your brain about shifting culture, about enlivening discourse, about fostering greater participation and engagement, it's a great read. Brilliant. It's dated. It's dated. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. But it's that, great. Yeah, that's brilliant. Okay. Question number three is what app makes the biggest impact to your life or business? Oh God, this is so embarrassing. So I am such a nerd. I I love public radio. I just like, I can listen to Radio Lab like one after the other. I can just totally binge on the moth radio hour like i love this american life i don't know if you've okay. ever heard it no i haven't heard that one <laughs> so, so so wnyc is our local station and they just have a fabulous lineup and nine times out of ten if i've got headphones on it's because i've got their app playing and i'm just okay whatever <laughs> okay question number four what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you Oh my God, I took a job at IBM. Now I know that sounds like I'm slamming IBM. I'm not slamming IBM. I, um, 
what I learned, I was in my 30s and I had this global um, MBA, I spoke Spanish and Portuguese, and the job I had at UPS did not allow me to use those skills and they weren't really focused on global markets. So I, through a series of happenstance, um, I landed a job at IBM and in spite of every time I went down there for the interview process, I literally, the environment was so gray and people were so not happy and not convivial and, and closed. And um, I just thought, well, I'm so bubbly and warm. I'm gonna, it's gonna be great, right? <laughs> so what I learned, and part of what really seduced me, aside from my strong desire to use those skills I wasn't using, was money and title. They made me the brand manager for ThinkPad for Latin America. And they gave me a 50% bump in base album salary. So I really learned, don't let yourself be seduced by by desires like that right the, really like like listen to that voice inside of you all the time yeah that makes sense that makes sense okay question number five what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them my own imposter syndrome okay okay <laughs> if we all have it yeah we all have it i think a lot of times um again as a high performer i think it's really important to take off the cape right to not be superman or superwoman and to not always operate from a should right like like i do hear a lot of leadership talk be about the disciplines the daily practices etc cetera, etc cetera. And I think that's true, and it's also a very masculine way um, to organize progress, right? Or the pursuit of progress. And part of what I'm learning is to really listen to the should, to listen to the voice, the drill sergeant in my head, and to also question it, right? And say, well, I got up at six, and I should go to the gym, I always go to the gym, but maybe this morning I'm just gonna roll out the yoga mat and practice for it like like learning to 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 use discretion in the moment even from our own best practices because practices have to evolve yeah okay that makes sense yeah bro okay question number six what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out huh um I think really um, seeing yourself as a surfer, right? This um, surfing requires patience. Um, it requires humility, patience because you never know when the wave's going to come, and sometimes you have to wait a while to even paddle out, and sometimes you have to sit there for a while to catch a wave. So patience, humility, knowing when um, when to let the wave go. Um, knowing that you can't push it, you, you have to work with it. Um, I think being an energetic savant in some ways, um, yeah, th those are things I would definitely. Question number seven, what is your definition of success? Oh, this is so good. Um, I hated you for this question when I read it. <laughs> <laughs> 
why I ask it. <laughs> Nicholson. I don't like the one bit. Because um, this is the kind of stuff I like to ask clients. Yeah, yeah. Like never, never get a coach as a podcast host. <laughs> Horrible. Never doing another podcast. Um, so, so it's extrinsic and it's intrinsic, right? Um, our focus culturally is really on the extrinsic success. And, um, and it's so easy to be seduced by that. I think that when I look at what is that intrinsic experience, it's, um, it's, do I feel at peace in my own heart? Okay. Bro. I mean, okay. Yeah. That's simple, right? Kind of the Viktor Frankl, you know, can you make it through the worst and yeah. still find beauty and joy? Like that's yeah. success. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. The final question is, is do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge impact to your day? Yes. Um, I get up, I say a prayer, I meditate, I go to the gym, um, come back, I make a decaf latte because I kicked caffeine's butt like three years ago. So, um, <laughs> woo -hoo, woo -hoo. Um, and uh, and then I, I start my day. I sit right down and um, and I get going. I think that that um, <clears throat> that looking at what brings it full circle. Um, I know that that work expands to to the time allowed. I could work twenty four hours a day. And so I really learned that, that, um, around five or six, I have a hard stop and I transition by, by shifting to cook or going to play the guitar or taking a walk. I've got a pond. I go out to the pond and just stare at water. Okay. So the final question is the life lesson question. Um, and that's where you pick a number between one and 50 and whatever number it lands on, it turns into a life lesson that I have learned through recovering my illness and starting my business. And it is our final topical point. So what number would you like? I'm going to go for 50 because I have a big birthday coming up. All right. 50 <laughs> number five. Oh, <laughs> okay. This is ironic. Um, hire a world-class coach. Um, the reason I know how 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 crazy is that one? There's, there is no commercial in this. No, right? no, 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 nothing. <laughs> so ultimately, the reason why this is what I think is an important thing is is because for me, um, I used to when I was in sort of the work, um, before I escaped and started on my own and became unemployable, um. I always used to laugh at people who had coaches because I always used to say, yeah, no, I don't need a coach. I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing everything else. But when I came out of my illness and I started to realize that actually I need to be able to work on myself, I need a safe environment. And actually there has been that and masterminding and being, as we talked about before, being willing to do the work on oneself. Yeah. There is nothing been more impactful than having a coach to do um to work with i'm just wondering and i mean i kind of like know the answer but um what is what are your views and experiences with having a coach or being a coach yourself and the benefits of it well i think for one thing i think that um that finding a coach who's who's gonna really hold you accountable for 
for being honest with yourself and um, knows how to step out of the way and not insert their opinion yeah. um, into your process, I think is, is so powerful. Um, I think that, that, that some of the most powerful coaching experiences I have had have been from, um, from coaches who by design were not fostering a dependency. Yes. Right. And, and I think that's another really, really, really important um, aspect to keep the relationship in integrity. Um, I feel like if I don't have a coach, it's really easy for me to drink my own Kool-Aid. And it's yes. also really easy for me to not move forward on the things I want. And so I, I, um, I wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay. So the final part of the show is where you get an opportunity to share how people can find out more about you, how they can connect with you and anything else you would like to share. Well, I would love to have people come by and visit us at uh, balanceintegration.com. That's uh, the company I started in 2002 to work with cultures um, and leaders and teams mm. on a lot of the, the elements and considerations that you and I have been talking about today. Yeah. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at corporate Yogi. Um, you can find me um, in Facebook and LinkedIn. I'll just look for me under Tevis Trower. I'm the only one so far. But <laughs> we'll put all of those links and everything on, um, on the show notes as well, Tevis. So you, they will, they will be able to connect with you in some way, shape or form we also um we have a gift i don't know okay prezzies i like prezzies so everyone likes a good prezzy party fair um (laughs) so i created a series called the c-suite um sessions and it's meditations for people who are senior or high performers and they're really practical and really short like four minutes um and they really pertain to the kinds of things that come up through the mm. course of a workday. Okay. I've got one locked and loaded for you called tell me something good. So So you will you will find the link on uh is it balanceintegration.com forward stroke success IQ? Maybe yes. So um so yes yeah, so the final thing is just to say thanks very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and I wish you the greatest success. You are awesome Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. So firstly, just let me say a massive thank you to all of you who've taken the time to listen to the show. And for those of you who are sending me emails to give me feedback about the show, what you like, what you'd like to see, I am extremely grateful to you all. I would be really grateful as well if you have time and the inclination to jump over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the show as it really does help me stay on my mission, which is to help people create and live an exceptional life. Finally, you can get hold of these podcast show on many different platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of those ones that you probably listen to regularly. Um, All you need to do is hit subscribe and get them straight to your phone, which makes life so much easier. So just finally wishing you an amazing week. Take care and don't forget to keep pursuing the exceptional.